Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. We're so excited, honestly, what God continues to do, and we're about to launch into Love the Block again. It's going to start up here pretty much like, is it next week? Yeah, next week. I want to encourage you, come be a part. I know we're often surprised that the work of God continues, but it continues, right? Constantly, God is moving and doing amazing things, and uh, we're excited, honestly, for what the Lord is doing uh, in this new year, in 2022. It's crazy to almost say 2022, because it feels like that was the future not that long ago, and now it's just so normal to say things like 2022. It's like George Jetson was born in 2023, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's crazy, right? We're almost to space, guys. Some of you are like, George Jets? Did I just age myself? What just happened? People are like, you look like you're 16. What do you mean? It's like, no, there was a show. Anyways, it's not important. But uh, New Year's, <laughs> New Year's, I, I've talked to people. And there's a couple things. I've been like, hey, how are, you, are you excited for the new year? And I usually get one or two responses. One is I have had no time to set goals for the new year. That's the one I've gotten a couple times recently. The other one is, yeah, I've set like a huge list of resolutions, right? Because New Year's is the time where you write out a bunch of things that you're not going to do. That's how it works, right? <laughs> no, but New Year's is, I honestly, I love the new year because I love it's a time to focus our hearts and prepare our hearts for the opportunity to, to be more intentional than we were before. I love that idea, to be more intentional and more focused than we were before. And as a church, we always start the year with a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. So literally starting next Sunday, as a church, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so today what I want to do is give you what, what I believe to be uh, uh, an overall teaching on fasting. It is a profound biblical concept, uh, and there's a lot about it, and there's a lot, you know, that, that culturally we, we don't, you know, we don't fast as much, so we don't necessarily talk about it, but it is something really beautiful and profound, and so I want to give you a teaching. A lot of this info uh, comes from a paper and a resource that I've been blessed to work with a good friend of mine, Carolyn Tennant, who's probably watching online, to submit to the Assemblies of God as the topic paper for fasting, for what the Assemblies of God really believes on fasting. It's got to go through this whole thing. But I'm really committed to learning and growing and writing about fasting, and so I want to share that with you. So today is going to be less of like my preaching hat and more of my teaching hat. Today is going to be more of a teaching. So if you've never heard about fasting. Today, I want you to leave feeling encouraged and empowered to hopefully engage in a spiritual practice that I think is important as a believer. And if you have heard about fasting, my, my encouragement to you today is to give you the tools that you might empower and teach others like your family or your friends or the people that you're hopefully discipling as a believer of Christ to know more about this important spiritual practice. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for how you speak to us, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, that you would transform us, and you would renew us here today as we walk through the Word of God. We give it to you in your name. Amen. Well, since it's the new year, and since people are setting resolutions, one of the resolutions that's always on the list are physical and fitness resolutions. I think it's great. Be healthy, get healthy, right? I I'm a little concerned 
that this week when I go to, to the gym, when I go to the boxing gym, that I'm not going to find anything available to do because it's just going to be full of people for the next three weeks. Like, it's just going to be me working out outside and everybody else working out inside. And then the three weeks when they all leave, I could go back inside and work out again, right? Because everyone in the new year usually sets fitness goals. If you ask somebody if they have New Year's resolutions, they will likely have a fitness goal, right? Anybody have a fitness goal? Come on, it's the 1045 service. Y'all should be awake. Nine o'clock was twice as awake of you. Did they just like intravenously inject coffee into their veins? Like what happened here, right? Okay. Do you, does anyone have a fitness goal for 20? There we go. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, but we always have these goals. And one of the very in vogue things that's been talking about in modern Western health now is the idea of intermittent fasting or just fasting in general. Which I find fascinating because fasting has been a cultural practice of people for generations, for decades, for centuries. People of all kinds of different cultures have been fasting. Like, what is fasting? Fasting, in its very simplest form, is abstaining from food or drink for a period of time. That's like its most simple form, abstaining from food or drink for a period of time. And there's a lot of physical benefits to fasting. There's benefits in the body. Fasting promotes blood sugar control by releasing insulin resistance. Fasting uh, fights inflammation. Fasting improves blood pressure, improves uh, triglycerides, and improves cholesterol levels. Fasting can delay aging and extend longevity of life. Fasting can even aid in cancer prevention and increase the effectiveness of chemotherapy. Fasting is also good for the mind. Fasting can boost brain function and prevent neurodegenerative disorders. Fasting also is good at balancing the levels of uh, dopamine and serotonin in our brain. I was recently listening to a podcast called Dopamine Fast, and they were talking about one of the things that many therapists are prescribing or mental health professionals are prescribing is a fast from social media. Because what happens is that we live in a space of instant, instant dopamine satisfaction, but there is a counter. Uh, the, the body's always seeking balance, and the body works really hard at balance because the body was made really well. And so what happens is you're tapping into this dopamine really quick, and your body's releasing another chemical, usually serotonin, to balance it out. The hard part is if you think of it as a scale, dopamine's here, and your body's countering it here, the dopamine jumps off faster than the little gremlins hold on to balance balance. And so they stay on longer. The serotonin stays on longer. And so what happens is you keep increasing dopamine and they keep holding on longer and they take longer to get off and longer to go. And so what I've been reading recently is that many people are prescribing a fast of a certain period of time, often 20, 21 days, of social media, of different kinds of media, of different kinds of involvement digitally, because it needs to retrain the brain how to balance itself correctly. So fasting is very important for the body and the mind. But what's awesome is that God created us as entire beings. We are physical, mental, social, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, which is why usually if one of those is out of whack, it affects the other, which is why when you're sick for a long time, you're emo usually struggling in your emotions too, right? They're all linked within us. They don't live siloed or disconnected, and one of those is spiritual, we were created to be spiritual people. So though there are uh, mental and physical benefits, the greatest benefit for believers is the deeply spiritual reason for fasting, which is that we desire less of us and more of God. 
Believers, listen, if you believe in Jesus today, the reason that we fast is not to go on an over-spiritualized diet at the beginning of the new year so we can shed those holiday pounds of the last remaining gingerbread men that we jammed into the side pockets of our love handles, right? The reason that we go on the fast and that we fast together is because we are believing for a move of God that is deeply spiritual, though it does have some awesome physical benefits. People fast and be like, my skin is glowing. It's like, yeah, because the toxins are leaving your body. It's like, that's how it works. But there's a deep biblical basis for fasting. So I want to talk a little bit about what is biblical fasting. Because there is like dieting fasting, intermittent fasting. But what is biblical fasting? So let me give you a definition. If you're a definition person, let me give you one here. Fasting, biblical fasting, is a powerful voluntary spiritual discipline that's led by the Spirit of God. Let me give that to you again. Fasting is a powerful, voluntary, spiritual discipline that is led by the Spirit of God. It's a time where, as believers, we spend intentional time focusing on the Lord. In other terms, fasting submits the hunger of the flesh to God and concentrates our spiritual hunger on Him. And there's a couple different types of fasts in the Bible. Usually, uh, when we head into 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church, one of the questions that I get, and I, and I say this not to put anybody down, but to like affirm this kind of asking, is that usually someone who's a new believer or newer to fasting or newer to the term, I say, we're going to fast for 21 days. And I can see the fear in their face. And they're like, the church isn't going to eat for 21 days? Right? See, some of you are like, that's crazy that you would think that. Some of you are like, that's exactly what I'm thinking, right? So I affirm that, that question. That's a good question. If you have questions, that's a good one to ask. But there's different kinds of fasts. Some people have. We've had people as a church who have fasted all food and only drank water for 21 days. But there's all kinds of fasts, and there's all kinds of fasts in Scripture. There's, uh, let me give you a couple. There's abstaining from food. That's a type of fast, abstaining from food. Good example was when Judah was surrounded by two kingdoms who were coming against them in war. The king called for a fast from food. In 2 Chronicles 23, it says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Another example of, of fasting food is when Jesus fasted for 40 days. That's a long time, 40 days. Fasted for 40 days in the desert. We read a recent account of a 61-year-old man who fasted for 41 days under severe uh, medical supervision. Please, <laughs> if you're going to not eat for 40 days, do it with doctor supervision and maybe, I don't know, maybe don't. Don't start there. Can I just say that? I, that's not unspiritual. Don't start there. Maybe it's like an afternoon, right? <laughs> maybe do like a day. Don't go to 40 days. But abstaining from food. The other one would be abstaining from food and drink. A uh, good example of this is when the people of Israel were going to be wiped out. Uh, they, they were living in exile, and the king had made an edict to basically wipe out the people of Israel. Esther, it, it, this is a great story. You can go read it on your own. Esther's told by Mordecai, listen, you need to go to the king because you're the queen. You have access to the king, and you need to save your people. And I love Esther's response in Esther 4.15. It says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews that we found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. 
and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young woman will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though if it is against the law and I perish, I perish. I love this. She's like, listen, if you're really sending me to potentially die, y'all better be in this with me, <laughs> and I want to see you fasting. That's reasonable. That's a reasonable thing to say. If I'm going to risk my life, y'all got to give up cheeseburgers for a day and a half, right? There's also a third kind, partially abstaining from certain foods or drinks. That's another kind of fasting, partially abstaining from certain foods or drinks. Daniel probably is most famous scripturally for this kind of fasting. Daniel, often when seeking spiritual wisdom, would fast in this way. Daniel 10, 2 through 3. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three days, for the full three weeks. Apologies. This is where we like to base a lot of the, the Daniel fasting and looking at the 21 days in this period is because Daniel very much is, is interceding for wisdom and clarity for the visions that he, that he has received so that he can respond correctly. And so he didn't uh, fast or, or didn't eat certain things. And so you might have heard the Daniel fast. And in fact, we have a fasting guide in the back that outlines what that really is and what that really looks like. So if you're like, how do I do that? How do I prepare for that? Don't worry. We have a guide in the back. We have a guide online. Our social media person's been posting it like every four days. Uh, we have a guide for you for that. But that was a certain kind of fast. And then the fourth kind, everyone's still with me? Fourth kind is abstaining from certain activities. Look at Daniel 10.3 uh, again. It says, No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. What does that mean? Well, uh, in certain cultures historically, the access to just turning on your shower was not constant, right? The plumbing was different. Mostly you had like a little bucket and a scoop, and sometimes you go to the river or something like that, right, to wash. And so what you do is you would anoint yourself with oil to keep the stink down and your wife happy right? And so Daniel is doing what I like to call the junior high boy fast, which is just, I'm not going to bathe for three weeks and never mind the stench. No Axe body spray, none of that. None of that's touching this. Um, some of you never did youth ministry, so you don't know what that bus smells like, but it could kill a small village. Oh my gosh. You have that one kid in you, they're like, you just leave your shoes on, man, till we all die, right? <laughs> But it says there are certain activities. Uh, now, uh, hopefully, we're all engaged in some way in, in regular bathing. That's a whole other sermon, I guess. I don't know. Um, but there's many different activities that people will fast sometimes because they have become uh, overwhelming priorities in their life or they want to focus. Or for some people, giving up dietary things is not possible because of medical reasons. But they're like, man, I still want to engage corporately in a fast. And so I usually encourage people then do a kind of fast, a soul fast in a sense, where you're removing these things, whether it's media, social media, whether it's certain activities, whatever it might be. And, and, and again, you can find that info. But this is kind of that fourth kind of fast that people would do scripturally. But all that to say, there's a lot of fasting that happens in, specifically in scripture. Right? There's a lot of fasting in the Old Testament and the New Testament and there's different ways of fasting, but I give you these to say fasting is a big deal in the Bible. Fasting in the Old Testament was a major part of religious life. Why did people fast in the Old Testament? We've talked about a few of them, but let me give you a couple. They fasted for repentance. Jonah 3, 
when Jonah finally covered in whale guts makes his way to Nineveh and tells them right about the Lord and calls them to repent, it says in Jonah 3, 5, that in the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. In the Old Testament, people would also fast in times of grief. Because when you are grieving, the best way to, to process, to walk through grief, is to walk through it with the Lord. In 2 Samuel 1.12, when David is mourning the loss of Saul and Jonathan, he calls for a fast for him and his fellow men. They fast together and mourn. They would fast in times of distress. Like I said, in 2 Chronicles 23, when Judah is besieged, Jehoshaphat calls for a fast. They would fast in times of danger. In Ezra 8.21, the prophet says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. They would fast in times of war. Judges 20.26, the people of Israel had gone out not seeking God, and I'll give you the short version. It didn't go well for them. Super death would be the two-word combo there. And it says in verse 26, Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. They also fasted in all kinds of national gatherings that called for the alignment with the Lord. Isaiah 58, Joel 2, Nehemiah 9. Aside from the mandated days of fasting, the Old Testament practice of fasting was closely linked with times of national peril, with war, with famine, with pestilence. Basically, they would fast when they needed God to move. They would fast when things were going poorly and they needed God to move. They would fast when things were going really poorly and they needed God to move, and really, really poorly when they needed God to move. The only times they didn't fast was probably the times they should have fasted, which is when things were going well and they needed to keep their hearts focused on God. Just throwing that in there. Not trying to add to the Bible, but if I were to go back in time, be like, hey guys, things are going well. Let's keep them going well. The problem with Old Testament fasting, so to speak, is that it became a religious performance. It became, a, in a sense, a formality. See, fasting is all about aligning our hearts with God. It's about what God wants, but the Jewish people made it about what they wanted. And in making it about what they wanted, they also ignored what God wanted. Isaiah 58, powerful scripture. You can go read the whole thing yourself, but we're going to read a couple chunks from it today. Isaiah 58 verse 3 says, basically saying, you say, quote, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And God says, behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is this such the fast I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is this to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Let me give you the summary. God, look how spiritual we look. And God says, I don't care how spiritual you look. I care about your heart. If the focus of your heart is upon me, then that's fasting. If the focus of your heart is upon you, that's called over-spiritualized dieting. 
They added all this fanfare around it, and yet their hearts were still stubborn. They would stand on the corner and say, look how spiritual I am. I'm rolling around in ashes. That is quite dramatic, right? Sackcloth underneath me. Look at me. Look at how spiritual I am. But their hearts were not focused on God. I mean, surely we've never done that, right? We've never done religious activity while our heart was so far from God. But, I mean, they did this, right? <laughs> so when Jesus comes to speak about fasting, we have to understand when we read in Matthew, when Jesus comes to speak about fasting, this is the culture he's attacking head on. Jesus was very good at saying, like, wait a second, you've added all of these things that I did add. And so he comes on the scene, and the Jewish leaders had continued this practice of fasting, and they had added all these elaborate traditions and additions to the practice of fasting. And so what I love is when we read about Jesus approaching fasting, what he immediately does is addresses these practices, but specifically he addresses their motives. Why? Why take the time? Well, for a couple reasons. One, Jesus practiced fasting. Two, he valued it. And three, he wanted it to continue. Like, Jesus legitimately valued fasting. If you're a follower of Jesus, that means you do the thing he does. That's how you know you're following. Because if you're not doing it, then you're not really following, right? You say, I'm going to follow you as a quarterback, but then you go play soccer. I don't know. I don't know if you're following. And he says in Matthew 4, right? It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus fasted for like a long time. It was a practice that he participated in heavily. That's quite a fast, 40 days. So what was Jesus' approach to fasting? Let's look at that real quick. Let me give you a couple things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus taught that fasting ought to be done. Now, I'm going to hit that word ought. So if you're a fellow philosopher like me, you understand the difference between ought and must. He's saying it ought to be done. It ought to be done. And he clarifies, Matthew 6, 16. He says, when you do fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Jesus says, when you fast... The God who is at creation, who was part of molding the earth, speaking the world into existence, right? He who was the Word, who was at the beginning, right? Who was at creation. Nothing was made without Him. He says, when you do this thing, He assumed it would continue because it was a major part of spiritual life. He puts it in the same phrase of when you give and when, we pr when you pray. And when we love when you pray, we don't love the other two as much. But we like the when you pray part because that's kind of, you know, that's for us. We feel like it is. But he says when you fast. But importantly and secondly, Jesus stripped fasting of its pious and selfish embellishments. See, fasting was about humility, but the Jewish religious leaders were using it as a way to glorify themselves. And everybody hates that. You ever met somebody who just over-spiritualizes everything? Right? It's like everything they want to do, they have to find a spiritual reason for. It's like, I don't know what their how their Bible app is set up, but it's purely a search base. It's like, I want to do this thing. I must find a verse. I haven't read the Bible in six years, but I'm going to find a verse that tells me what I want to, what I, what I wanted to say, right? The, I, I did young adults ministry for a long time, and I'd have young men. God bless their heart. We'd do a worship night, and there'd be a cute girl that came in, and 
you know, that's how young adult ministry works. Like, we had a young adult ministry of 150, 200 people, and yet every week I heard in a room of 200 beautiful young people, there's no single people here. And so then a single person, a new single person would come in like a, like a poor baby doe into a room of wolves. And every man, I could just see their heads go down to like, dear God, is this the woman for me? Lead me in your way, right? And then a guy would come to me like, I feel like the Lord's speaking to me that, you know, I'm going to marry that woman. I'd be like, sure, bud. <laughs> I bet he is. <laughs> and it's like, if he is, give it a shot. Let's see, right? And then all the leaders would stand back and be like, he wasn't. He wasn't speaking to you. <laughs> he wasn't speaking to you. Because we can over-spiritualize stuff. And that's the thing that the Jewish leaders, they did this, right? They, they began to, rather than focusing on the depth and riches of the spiritual, they would disfigure their faces, and they would try to get this emotional reward of, wow, you're so holy. Like, you post the best verses online. Right? <laughs> Jesus taught that we shouldn't be rewarded by man. We should be rewarded by God. See, Jesus taught that fasting would be rewarded by God. He says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus wanted his disciples to seek the reward that came from the Father. He says, you can have one or two rewards. You can have the reward, the reward, there we go, of people patting you on the back, or you can have the reward of God lifting you up. That's a much better reward. He says, the Father will reward it. Can I tell you, I know pretty much most people in this church, and we have, an, we have amazing people in this church, amazing generous people in this church, and can I tell you, they still cannot reward you or bless you like God can. They cannot break addiction from your family. They cannot bring the lost into the kingdom. That's the work of the Lord. He said, don't seek to be rewarded by the accolade of others. He said, don't do it. He doesn't say don't do it around others. He said, don't do it for the sake of being seen by others. Let me give you an example. If you go online today and you say, hey, I'm stepping into this fast next week with my church, and I want to invite you, whether you attend Banner Church or not, to engage with us in 21 days of believing God to move, I think that's fantastic. Why? Who's the focus on? It's on the Lord. I mean, it's a little bit on you, but, I mean, you're posting, right? If you go online and, and you self-aggrandize and, and go for links about yourself and all about you and what you're going to do, then I just got to say, like, you already got your reward. Just don't even, just eat whatever you want and move on. Because it's over. You did it. You got the pat on the back. You waited for the likes. You're like, ooh, tw 12 likes in a minute, guys. I'm moving up. Right? You got your reward. Move on. Don't fast with us. Just stop or repent and start over. That's your two options, right? That's it. Because the reward is supposed to come from the Lord. Because fasting is more than just like some random spiritual practice. There is a deep, deep purpose to fasting. Let me give you a couple. Everyone still with me? Amen? Okay. I know this is a lot. I know I'm throwing a lot out. He said, well, can we do two weeks of fasting? I said, no, because we got to do the year theme. we got guest speakers this month. we got some stuff to get through. I know some of you are still living in, like, the turkey hangover, but we're moving. Banner Church, I hope you're ready. We're moving. We're moving. God is doing things. So... <laughs> Purpose of fasting, let's talk about it. Fasting focuses our hearts on God rather than the flesh. See, our focus for us in our communities is to be brought into alignment with God and His will. And it might require some things when you fast. It might require repentance. It might require confession. It might require turning away from evil. It might require correcting our paths. I was just talking to a good brother of mine outside today, and he was saying, man, it's crazy to think a year ago was when God deeply revealed to me addiction in my life, and I'm now nine months sober. 
Everybody wants to like, new word, new thing, new wine. It's a lot harder to be like confessing addiction before the Lord and my family. That's a man right there. He's not here, but just I respect the heck out of that guy. That's powerful. See, we don't fast to move or change God, but to change us. Fasting is never, or it's never meant to be merit-producing. It's never meant to be manipulative. It's never meant to be bargaining with God. It's not like, well, I'll hurt for a while and God will listen to me. No. It's about focusing or sometimes returning our heart to focus upon God. That's why in Isaiah 58, God says, this is the fast I choose. Verse 6, he says, is not this the fast I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to, to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? God is saying to Israel, I, that's great that you do the services. That's great that you go to the temple. That's great that you are very sober. I, he's not saying to reject those things. But he's saying, listen, if your heart is not on me, then it's not really a fast. It's just not eating. If your heart is not after me and pursuing of me, and sometimes you're fasting and saying, God, I, my heart has not been for you. Help my heart to be for you and directed towards you. You're not starting with perfection. You'll never be perfect. But we're starting pursuant. Let me give you some modern terms here. Don't fast if you're just going to go home and fight with your wife. And you're just going to yell at your kids. And you're just going to gossip about others. Don't fast if you're just going to ignore the call to serve at your church. Don't fast if you're still going to refuse to give and build the kingdom. Don't waste your time. If we're not going to believe together, if we're not going to help the hurting, if we're not going to care for the people in this very church who are in hospitals, who are in need, who are hurting and broken, what's the point of fasting just to make us look good, but to ignore the mission of God? He says, don't waste your time. Don't even start. That's not the fast I've chosen. The fast I've chosen is to have your heart fully and completely focused on me. That got less amens in the first service too, but it's still true. Listen, 2020. Two is the year I, I, I'm just preaching full Bible and if it pisses you off you can leave this is the reality of the word of God is that we are called to help the hurting and broken not to dance around and have a bunch of worship services for us that is great and I love that but listen if we're not doing the other stuff he's like why <laughs> there's nothing more embarrassing than lying to God who literally knows everything but it's supposed to focus our hearts on God. And that's such a freeing feeling. That is such a freeing feeling. Why? Because the second thing, fasting stirs a yearning for God. Man, if you've been exhausted this past year, can I tell you, the best thing you can do is fast because it stirs that yearning from God that sometimes just gets beat out of you by life. When we submit the hunger of our flesh, it stirs a hunger for the fullness of God. And Ephesians 3.19, I love Paul's prayer for his people, is to, so that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses the knowledge and that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That's my prayer for you too. See, abstaining is just a surface element of fasting. I know it, it would be on the cover. Like if you made a book about fasting, like food would be on the cover or something because it'd be like, duh, right? 
But what you don't eat is important to fasting. Sure, sure, sure. But what you do consume is actually more important. God doesn't care if you give up pizza for 21 days. Literally, I don't think he cares at all. God cares about what you are going to consume for the next 21 days. What are you going to put in your heart? The purpose is to abstain from the flesh, to be fulfilled through the Spirit. It's kind of like getting married. Have you noticed that when people get married, they spend 90% of their time and money focusing on their wedding, and then like, like 10% or 5% fighting with each other, and the other 5% planning on getting married, or like living together, right? It's like just this little bit of time focused on being married together. I think the same thing sometimes when we prepare for a fast, we're like so worried, like, man, what if I cooked the wrong Daniel fast meal and this had some kind of nut butter in it that I wasn't allowed to use and now God's not going to show up and answer my prayers? Nope. <laughs> not how it works. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're going to be just fine. Like, but if I don't stick to a menu, God won't move. Like, nope. Still not the thing. Right? What we should be focusing is, God, what will I be spending my time doing for the next 21 days? When I am hungry, what will I be focusing on? What will I be dwelling on? When I am frustrated because I'm a little irritable because I haven't had coffee and I'm ruthlessly addicted, what will I do? God, what do you want to do in me over the next 21 days? God, what do you want to do through me? God, what, God, what, is, what have you been speaking to me that I've been pushing aside that I need to really deal with? It's about what you consume. Because again, third point, fasting is not a declaration that physical food is bad, but that spiritual food is greater. Food is great. God made food taste good. God gave mankind a unique ability to savor food in a way that is different than all animals. It's absolutely fascinating about how we consume food and enjoy food. Fasting is not anti-food. It's just very pro-spiritual food. It's like in Psalm 63 when David says that uh, when he's talking about the presence of God, he says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. David, I mean, he probably has some good food. He was like super rich, right? <laughs> But he's saying, like, God, your presence satisfies more than the richest food. Same thing Jesus, when he's talking to the Samaritan woman. We're going to talk about that next week. And the, the disciples come to bring him food. He's like, no, I already ate. I had, I had food from my father. They're like, who gave him food? He's like, no spiritual food. And the Peter's like, what? Right? Because that's how it goes in the Gospels. He's not saying that physical food is bad. He's saying it's better. If you fasted, you'd know this feeling. The fulfillment that comes from God working in and through you is absolutely incredible, and it surpasses anything that would happen in the flesh. But that's the key. It's this war of the spirit and the flesh. That's why fasting, even corporate fasting, brings humility. See, in Matthew 6, he didn't say, Jesus did not say, don't be seen fasting. He said, do not fast to be seen. The early church, they believed that corporate fasting and humility could go together. In Acts 13, 2, it talks about how while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, someone say fasting. Good, it feels good. I've said it like 12,000 times. I thought we could share the load. Uh, Lord, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, quote, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The Antioch believers gathered. They fasted for direction and for commissioning. And then in Acts 14, 23, it says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord whom they had believed. Corporate fasts are a part of our tradition as a church. 
They bring revival and renewal and refreshing from the Holy Spirit. But fasting as a body of Christ, and hear me, church, is always modeled and led, never imposed. We are not imposing a 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're just inviting. And if you feel the call to join, join. And if you don't, don't, I guess, is my term, right? But don't be like, well, I can't come around Banner Church for the next 21 days because I'm not fasting. That's not how this works. If you feel led, go. If you don't, don't. But can I just encourage you that fasting is a powerful tool in facing the conditions of life? In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and today, Fasting is a powerful tool in facing the conditions of life. When personally needing to repent and move out of habitual sin, fasting is a powerful tool. When entreating God on behalf of others, it's a powerful tool. When sensing the urgency for revival, when deeply convicted over the sinfulness of the people of God or a nation, when desiring to separate more fully from the world and be joined more closely to God, when recognizing that the need for a stronger faith to lay hold of the promises of God, when seeking God's will and direction, when anticipating a special opportunity for ministry, and when wanting to intensify devotion, fasting is a powerful tool in facing the conditions of life. And so today, if you're gathered here, I want to give you three things that I believe are going to be a blessing for you as we step into 21 days of prayer and fasting and as you prayerfully consider how you're going to engage. And in fact, I'll invite the band forward. I'm going to give you three things that we see in Scripture about fasting for us here today. First and foremost is fasting brings victory. Someone say victory. Fasting brings victory in spiritual warfare. Matthew 4, like I mentioned, Jesus is in the desert fasting for 40 days. Satan comes to tempt him. You know the first thing he tempts him with? Bread, which I think is a good call, right? It's the power to turn stones into bread. Specifically, it's the power to usurp the directions and plans of God, but using his own power to make it happen. And he, do, he uses Scripture to do it. Isn't that crazy? Like, the devil has the Bible memorized, guys. Just as like a heads up. <laughs> He's got it memorized. I don't like that, but the fear of God in you. And Jesus rebukes him using Scripture properly. In Mark 9, 29, the disciples are trying to cast out demons, and Jesus comes down, comes with some other disciples down. They're like, hey, your, your dudes couldn't do this. I thought this was kind of your thing. The disciples ask him later, wait a second, why couldn't we cast these out? And Jesus says to them, well, some kinds only come out through prayer and fasting. As we look at our country and our nation, now we, we are not Israel, but I have to live here, so I'm going to pray good things for this nation. And my children have to grow up here, so I'm going to pray for God to move up upon it, right? I think that we see have, and can see so clearly the forces of demonic power that constantly come against our nation, our city, our families, and ourselves. And I'm a person, I, I love to box, so I go boxing every week. And the hardest part of sparring is to not go hard, like not go way too, way, not try to win immediately, basically, uh, because I love to win, and when I fight, I want to fight to win, and the hardest part is like, let's go at 50%, but also you're going to punch me in the face. You guys are excited. And so that, that's the most difficult thing for me, is this fighting to win, and in those settings, it's hard to kind of dial it back. But can I just say, we are in a spiritual battle. 
And if fasting brings victory and you are in the fight, why not fight to win? Men of God, if you knew that someone was coming against your family, there was an enemy coming against your family, I know some of you. I know you'd like run out to the car and there'd be some like gun that would drop out of the bottom of your truck and you'd be like fully armed. Like you have it planned. You're thinking of it now. You know what I'm saying, right? Can I just tell you spiritually, be prepared. Why not fight to win spiritually for your family that there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy? But God came, Christ came, Jesus came, that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Fight to win spiritually. And one of the ways that we fight to win for our family, for our city, for our friends, for our life is through prayer and fasting. Fasting helps our spirit wage war against the flesh. Did you know that your spirit and your, and your flesh are at war? And the world is constantly pulling to the desires of the flesh, saying, fulfill these desires, and anyone who tries to stop you from fulfilling those desires hates you. But Galatians 5.16 says, says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, when we fast, we submit the desires of the flesh completely. And what, what's amazing is that it actually strengthens our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. The Holy Spirit's always present, but honestly, I'm just, we're not always paying attention. That's why fasting, and we say it here all the time, fasting is a physical act with supernatural implications. Because as we diminish those person and the focus on personal desires, it allows God to reign more supreme in our hearts. That's my final one, and importantly, fasting creates humble hearts which prepare the way for a move of God. Now, God can always move. He's really good at it, but he loves to move through humble hearts. In Joel 2.12, the prophet says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He says, And rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering from the Lord your God. So let's blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride or chamber. God calls his children to fast. And he says, listen, I don't, it's not about rending your garments and outward. It's about rendering your, or rending your heart and inward. He, God cares about heart change of his people. The same is true then. The same is true now. God cares about the heart of his children. And I love what God promises in Joel 2.28 immediately after. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. That's the prophecy that's fulfilled on Pentecost when God sends his spirit upon his people is the afterward. In every biblical fast, there is a supernatural time of afterward. After the church fast in Acts 13, 1 through 3, the Holy Spirit brings supernatural clarity and direction in sharing the gospel with the Gentiles because as they submitted their heart, it paved the way for God to move upon their lives and have his way in the world, in their lives, in their church. 
And so every year we fast. And some of you, you fast for 21 days, and you're like, what is God doing? It's not necessarily about what he's doing in the 21 days. It's about what happens in the afterward. This is why we fast. We need a move of God. We're ready to live in the afterward. Church, we have accepted less than revival for far too long. We've accepted less than what God has called. We've spoken, lived, walked out, discipled less. We have taken convenient. We have taken conveniently located. We have taken conveniently worded to make me feel really good as the somehow biblical standard of the future, as if discipling and reaching and saving the lost was not the standard, as if going out to the hurting and broken was not the standard of Christ. We've made something else in Western Christianity that I believe in 2022 God is going to continue to tear down, and to, but to stand up the biblical truth of the Word of God. That's what remains. And so at this church, we've been praying about 2022 and saying, God, we want to live in the afterward. And can I tell you, church, I'm believing for supernatural healings upon this church. Not as a way to make us fame. It doesn't matter. But because I believe that's an element that we, out of fear, have left and abandoned, is believing God to move in power and authority. And this year, when we launch our theme, we launch into that space. The thing is not that we are forced or imposed, but the thing is that God has begun to speak to us and move upon our hearts to say, you know what, I want to see more. Or maybe I want to be nearer to God than ever before. My heart has been far from Him. I've allowed things to come in, and I want a deeper sense of devotion from God. And that's very simply my prayer for you today, is that you would begin to seek the Lord and say, God, how are you leading, and how are you guiding? Because I want to hunger for you more than anything in 2022. Would you stand with me today? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me today as we close? The band's going to just sing to that song in a, in a few moments because I, I know I've tossed a ton of stuff out at you. This is a lot more teaching than preaching like we would uh, normally have, but and I, I know there's a ton of information. But I very simply want to invite you to have a conversation with the Lord in this moment. And to very simply say to him, God, would you lead me? Or maybe, God, would you lead myself and my family in how we could engage in this fast this year? Would you direct us? For some of you, you've had such a crazy year. The idea of doing one more thing is slightly overwhelming to you. And so maybe in this moment, you just need to release some of that anxiety and fear to the Lord and say, God, would you just give me a fresh perspective and a fresh heart? Maybe for you, you're, you're a little nervous about the idea or uncertain, but you just need God to stir up a boldness and a yearning in you that goes beyond what food or what item and goes to the heart of the Lord that says, God, I want more of you. And so I want to pray for you, and then I just invite you to have a moment with the Lord, you and Jesus today, where you begin to speak to him and allow him to speak to you and your heart on how you're going to engage in what God wants to do today, believing for the time of afterward. And I want to encourage you, we have seen God do amazing things. We have seen families restored. We have seen bodies restored. We have seen relationships come back together. We've seen the, the, the craziest things that I, I've ever seen during this 21 days. And so I encourage you that you're standing on a history of God moving in this church. But I want to pray for you. Lord God, I pray for this church right now in this room. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that all of this is by you. It's not about our strength. It's not about us. It's about you, Lord. 
And so, God, our prayer is that this time of fasting would reflect a heart that is pursuant of you, that it would be a heart that goes after you, that's not to glorify us, not to glorify ourselves, but longs for more of you, that longs to be nearer to you, that longs to be in alignment with you and your will, mighty God. And so, Lord, in this moment, as we worship you, I pray you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would direct us and guide us in the way in which we should fast and engage in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We ask for your leadership now, Holy Spirit, and we yield this moment to you, Holy Spirit, in your name. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.